Welcome to episode 23 of What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. We're going to start out talking about Jordan Peele's upcoming movie that is being released this weekend in theaters across the United States and the planet. That is Nope, the highly anticipated horror movie. And then we're going to do a little thing where we try to rank the best horror movie of each of the last five years. But we're doing it a little differently than normal. David and I are actually going to have to agree on stuff this time. So there may be some arguments in this episode later on. So stick around with that. But let's get into it. All right, David. We got no conversation right at the top here. The third movie from Jordan Peele, who rose to fame as part of Key and Peele on Comedy Central and then somehow became probably the best working horror director that we have right now. Um, go through with me. What are your expectations here for this movie? I have pretty high expectations and I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't hurt, like hurt me. You know what I mean? Um, part of me is worried, right? Because we, we've talked about this quite often, I think of like going in with certain expectations or maybe even high expectations. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, I wouldn't say all the time, we kind of get disappointed. Um, so part of me is worried that there'll be disappointment, but also part of me is like, man, I watched Get Out and I watched Us and I was quite the opposite of disappointed. Like I was, um, you know, if not, if, if I didn't love the movie, I at least like, like Us, I didn't like as much as Get Out, but I still I was like, wow, what a concept. That was kind of freaky at times. Like that was well done. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm, I think that's where I'm at right now. Like 50, 50, like hope I don't get disappointed, but also like, man, he's never failed. Why, why am I worried about that? You know? Yeah. I think, I think I'm in the same place. Um, Jordan Peele, you know, there are certain directors that when their name is attached to something, you just instantly, you know, you expect a lot. Uh, I think Jordan Peele has quickly moved into that echelon after, you know, get out and us. I think that, we would both probably agree that Get Out is the superior of those two mm-hmm. films, although that doesn't make us a bad film at all. Um, but yeah, whenever his name is attached to something, you're going to pay attention. Also, just, you know, it's it's him and also Daniel Kulia, one of the best actors that we have working right now as well, and a person who collaborated really well with him the first time around in Get Out. So yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm at the same same place with you. Walk me through, I want to ask you, and I know I'm kind of catching you on the spot here. Do you remember the first time you watched the movie Get Out? Dude, I don't remember. I don't think I did. That's just, I, I just want to get that out of you. I want to see what your expectations were going into that movie, if you can remember them. Because I remember thinking, like, there's no way this is as good as everybody says. You know, I yeah, know I- who Jordan Peele was. I had... You know, I watched it after it had already been nominated for Best Picture, and I was thinking, absolutely no way. And that movie was better than I ever could have dreamed. And I think that that just set the bar for me for anything he releases from then on out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I would agree with you. I didn't know who Jordan – I mean, oh, the guy from King Peel. Yeah, okay, he's making a horror movie. You know, like I didn't know him. I didn't know what to expect. And honestly, it, in 2017, I didn't know Daniel Kuya. I didn't pay attention to much uh, movies as much as I, I do now. And so – I really don't think it was definitely not like it is now. Like I'm going to go see this in theaters. I'm it's highly anticipated. I think it was like, Oh yeah, I'll watch this. Or, Oh, I accidentally watched this almost, you know, like I just didn't know what to expect. Didn't know the actors or the director. Um, and so, yeah, I think Nope is definitely more 
hyped for me than Get Out was. Mm -hmm. And I think back to um, when Us came out in 2019, you and I saw that movie in theaters together, opening night actually, um, drove like to a theater 45 minutes away, a bigger theater to watch that movie. And that was just such an event film. Like everybody in the theater was just so into the movie. And um, if you haven't specifically, I feel like a lot of people don't go to watch horror movies in theaters anymore. It's so much more fun when you watch a horror movie in theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, the sound is better. You know, you get the audience reactions as well. But Us was such an event that I, I have to imagine this is going to be along the same lines of packed theaters and, you know, a big event film and kind of the last one we have until what Black Panther Wakanda Forever comes out in November, probably. So yeah, we have a little bit of gap for a while. That's for sure. So I, I'm extremely excited for this movie. One thing we hinted at last week that I kind of want to talk about um, was subsequent trailers that have come out about this that have revealed more of the movie for me. Now, Jordan Peele has said in interviews and so is part of the cast that nobody's theories about what's going on in the movie are correct that they've heard so far. You know, that could easily be like a, a marketing tactic. But mm -hmm. I hate I hate this recent trend of movies trying to tell me the entire plot of the movie before I can get in to see it. And I hate that I can't avoid these trailers. I'm not looking at trailers online with the exception of a few movies. And I, I can't escape it. I go to the theater and I have, you know, all bullet trains spoiled for me every time I go to the theater. It's mm -hmm. annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's, we, we talked about this, like, we're such a, um, like, I need now culture or satisfy me now culture. And I think studios are, are fighting with this because they're realizing they have to, like, reveal stuff in the movies, re reveal the best you know, action scenes or this or that, the best shots of the movie, just so people will be interested in seeing the movie. Um, and I think, I mean, I'm sure the studios are fighting with it too, because they obviously don't want to just give up the movie. Um, mm -hmm. And I, but I think they're fighting with that as like people are just aren't as interested or won't care as much if, if you don't flash them and get them with that trailer, which for me, I'm like, nah, I, I trust the director and I trust the, you know, the actors in this. So I'm going to watch it whether there's, you could, you could have no trailer for this and I'm probably still going to be just as excited. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's what we were talking about with kind of Peel's excellence um, and his pedigree already that we were all ready to go to watch this movie, whether we had seen anything other than the first teaser trailer or just the poster or anything like this was, this was a movie we were all ready for. So I, I kind of, I don't like that, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that trailer is throwing me off and a lot of that stuff, you know, a lot of times people will go back and look and see like this scene that was in the trailer wasn't even in the movie that happens frequently with Marvel movies. Um, so I wonder if that's the case here, but yeah. either way, regardless, I'm extremely excited. I have high expectations. Um, and this could easily be one of the best movies of the year. And I think that's what people are expecting going in. So I hope that Peel delivers. Yeah, me too. Are you all right? You're, you're seeing this Friday, right? Um, or I should check my tickets. It's either Friday or Saturday, I believe. Okay. We're um, right now. There's four of us, I think, that are gonna go see it Friday. So we're pumped. If it's not in the hangar, there's no. It's not on the hangar schedule right now, but surely they're gonna have it, right? I would think. Yeah. For those if of you not, that don't know, the hangar is the movie theater in Maryville that yeah. has like three movies at a time. So R.I.P. David. 
Um, I, they would have to. Again, this is one of the biggest releases of the year. I don't. And if I it's not, ex- we'll just go to St. Joe. There's there's more options on times anyway, and that's like 40 minutes, so it's all good. I would expect this movie to, if not go over, at least sniff the $100 million mark opening weekend. Um, mm. I Especially because I don't think it has any serious competition because Thor has kind of dropped off. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of things stealing audiences, a lot of movies stealing audiences from Nope. So I would expect it to be, you know, almost $100 million this weekend. But IMDb again, saying, it is horror. So yeah, IMDb saying 39.9 million is estimated. I'm assuming that's opening weekend, right? Or is that opening yeah. night? Yeah, that's probably opening weekend. I guess I not factoring in the R-rated um, horror aspect. I don't know. This is going to be a big movie for people ages 16 to 40, I would yeah. say. So. Well, and opening weekend may not be huge, but I think which what we've seen in the past, like opening weekend may be okay, but then like as more people talk about it, I think you'll see just week two and three, I think you'll see box office shoot up for this movie. Yeah, if, if, it, this if it's movie's as good, good as we're hoping it is. If this movie's good, word of mouth will definitely help. And again, like we talked about this gap between – you know, I think we have Bullet Train the week after, but I don't know anybody that's really like chomping at the bit for that movie. So I, I think the lack of competition could probably help it out at the end of the summer if if it gets good reviews. So, but I won't know because I'm not looking at anything before I go into this movie. I, I yeah. want to go in with absolutely no prior opinions in my head. So I'm excited for this. All right, so let's, we're going to take a quick little break here, and then we're going to transition to trying to figure out the best horror movie of each of the last five years. So stick around. All right, so the idea for this came through um, because David and I didn't really know what to do, um, but we, we knew that this would be horror you know it's a good time to talk about horror when you're talking about a jordan peele movie coming out and he released get out in 2017 which was five years ago so we're gonna go 2017 through 2021 didn't feel like it'd be fair to do 2022 since you know we're not done with that year yet it's hard to rank the best horror movie to come out of that year but we got like three or four nominations each david and i are going to talk through them talk through ones why we like them why we have them and then try to determine for each year what we think the best horror movie of that year is. So first let's get in, let's just get into 2017. Um, I think we both know which movie is going to win here, but I, I, we have four nominations right now. I I do kind of want to outline for every year, some of the horror movies that were released. So obviously you have get out this year, it mother Darren Aronofsky's really divisive horror movie that David, you have not seen. Mm -mm. Um, it's an interesting watch. It's polarizing. Uh, when I first watched it, which was around 2017, I hated it. Um, but I know a lot of people love it and have told me that I need to give it a second chance. So I probably will try to do that soon. Happy Death Day came out this year, which was a fun horror comedy. The Babysitter, Gerald's Game is a Stephen King adaptation. Um, there is a weird movie with one of the brothers from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody that's a horror movie. that is not highly rated at all um there's a couple of a24 movies it comes at night and uh there's also a movie life um and 1922 was one of the more popular ones from that year that is another stephen king adaptation which you will see is a trend 
Um, Stephen King has written like 8,000 books and almost every one of them seems to get adapted to a movie. But let's just talk about our nominees here. We got Get Out, It, and Mother, although for the purposes of these conversations, we will not pick a movie that both of us have not seen. Um, So Mother is not really in contention. And The Babysitter. I put The Babysitter on here as kind of a a wild card. The Babysitter is a a straight-to-Netflix comedy horror movie that I did not expect to enjoy at all. And the first time I watched it, I watched it twice in a weekend. I enjoyed it so much. Uh, so that's that's my that's like my baby. That's like the one that I really love, but I know that that is not in any way going to win this conversation. So let's just talk about the top two. Let's talk about It and Get Out. Let's compare those. David, walk me through your feelings on It. I... Um... I actually really, really liked it a lot. Uh, I think, yeah, on Letterboxd, I gave it a four out of five. Uh, that's probably just initial, you know, I haven't revisited it in a while. Um, but I remember, I saw, I did see this in theaters. I think this was um, when I was working at the restaurant, like attached to the IMAX theater. So I actually watched this in IMAX, like, cause we had a discount and it was, um, ooh, it was to see on IMAX for the first time. It was pretty, it was honestly pretty terrifying. Um, I think mm-hmm. first watch this movie, was very very good i think i could probably confidently say that because you're just not expecting you don't know what to expect right you have the 80s version which looking back now is not that scary um just because of the advance in technology and and cinematography and all that stuff you know it just kind of has lost its uh mojo i guess you could say um Mm -hmm. and you know second third fourth watch i don't think it's as good but i think it's still very good i think the kid the children this this group of children that act here uh, do a stellar job um, and I think Pennywise, Bill Skarsgård, I think he did a very, very, very good job with this. Um, so I think this definitely deserves to be in the top two because, yeah, I was I was thoroughly impressed just with the tone of this movie and, and then the uh, just the overall kind of quality and the execution of the movie. So mm-hmm. I also watched this movie in theaters, which I think for sure helped um, how scary I felt it was. I think on rewatch, I don't really find it that scary. Um, although Bill Skarsgård is very stellar in this role, um, just truly inhabits this, you know, murdering clown, um, that terrorizes a bunch of children. This is a lot, this movie feels very akin to, uh, classics like Stand By Me and The Goonies, um, and just the way that they handle the kid relationships. And then, the, you know, you have the added horror stuff. Not all the CGI is great. Some of the stuff doesn't hold up. There's also moments in the movie where I why Pennywise is becoming any other version of a scary thing when Pennywise the clown is clearly the scariest thing it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part's not great. And, of course, there is a big final battle in this, like there there is in the book. I mean, it, it, it's true in many ways to the source material. Thankfully, it gets rid of some of the more egregious and quite frankly, disgusting parts of the book. Yep. Um, (laughs) Here's my question. Is your opinion of this movie soured by, in my opinion, the extremely lackluster sequel? uh, No, I don't think so. I don't think the second one affects this one. Um, I think honestly, they, I don't know if I think they went in with this movie, not really intending to have a second one. I think, through, with it blowing up the way it did, no pun intended. Um, I think then they decided to have that second movie. But no, I don't. I mean, I don't really think. I think these kids did very well, and I think this this cast of this first movie and the um, 
Andy Machetti, Machetti, uh, I think did a very good job in this first one. Uh, the second one was very disappointing. Yes. And just kind of weird at times, really. Um, yeah. And, uh, and just almost a, which I guess is, again, they're using the book, so you could blame that on Stephen King, but just a almost straight carbon copy of the first one in like the exact same tone of the plot. And also it is way, way too long. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that, that movie's tough. So yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think it's hard to separate, you know, sequels when they're bad from the original and not kind of have it taint the original in some capacity, but again, I enjoy it. However, I think we're both going to agree that the best horror movie of this year is Get Out. And let's talk about why Get Out is so great. Uh, first, the uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Allison Williams, Catherine Keener, Bradley Whitford, Caleb Landry Jones, all great. For me, the star of this movie, I, I know it's Daniel Kaluuya, but also it's Lakeith Stanfield. His mm -hmm. character is so important uh, to the movie, and it would just fall apart if his performance was not stellar. Um, and it is. Uh, for those of you that have not seen this movie, kind of the quick pitch is uh, Chris played by Daniel Kaluuya, goes away with his girlfriend Rose for the weekend to her parents' place upstate in New York. At first, Chris seems to read the family's, you know, they're, they're doing the like, we're trying extra hard not to be racist around you thing. The, obviously, he's dating a white girl in this film. Um, and they try to seem okay about it and seem progressive, but then things just start to get weirder and weirder from there. Um, you know, this movie is... A lot of people complain about political commentary in movies not being able to separate it. Political commentary is inherent, but I think the message of this movie is so smart and so effectively handled by Jordan Peele that it, it makes even myself as, as an audience member confront my own biases and confront the way that I will sometimes interact with uh, people and, and how those, in my opinion, I am reassuring them that it's okay to be around me, but that's actually a red flag to them. And it made me confront those things when I first watched it and alter that behavior. But this movie is just so well done from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think one thing that I really enjoyed about it is it really doesn't feel like your classic horror movie. Just a, one thing, the building up to it, obviously more seems like a thriller, but once you get into that more horror aspect of it, it's just different. I think everybody saw the trend of the, the gardener running right at him and then, you know, that that full sprint cut to the right, you know, like people are always trying that, that trend that happened. And then just mm -hmm. the, the maids and the subtle, you know, break from their character and just different stuff like that. And then obviously once you get into the, um, the, the climax of it, like, I think I just really enjoyed not seeing just a copy and paste of what we get from most horror movies. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I was kind of shocked. Like I, I I think I, I do remember specifically thinking like I never would have guessed this ending. Like I, I you know, sometimes I try to figure it out like, yeah, okay, this is probably going to happen. Yep. Got this. But like, I couldn't figure out where this was going to go. And I definitely was not uh, expecting the ending that we got. So I think that's just another thing. Like, yeah, at first you're like, dang it, I didn't get it. But then that makes you almost enjoy the movie more that you couldn't figure out, you know, the ending of this. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I've, I don't know how many times I've seen this uh, quite a bit and I've enjoyed it every time kind of I think the reason you mentioned you know get out being better than it because I think this stays together the second third and fourth watch right Absolutely. I don't think we see blaring mistakes or we 
not find it worth the watch after knowing the ending. I think with Get Out, it stays strong and it holds strong. And I think that's the big reason for me, it gets to push over the it because man, it's, it's still good five years later. Yeah. And this movie also is such a smart horror movie and that it's not, there are certainly a couple of jump scares in, in the film and, and, you know, you'll rarely find any horror movies that don't use that, at least to try to put the audience on edge. But the use of the use of music in this movie is so smart. And also, ju- the, this movie's scary because of the fact that once you watch this movie, you will know, you recognize people like this that behave the way that the villains in this movie behave. And you will start to see that. So this movie is scary because of how realistic it is. And I cannot... And as a white male, obviously, I cannot speak on the way that it would feel to watch this as a black person, having experienced this kind of discrimination from white people before. Um, But I would imagine that really resonates as well. And that's something I've seen in pieces, articles and stuff on this movie as well. So just all in all, a movie that deserves it transcends the genre. There's movies so good, they transcend the genre and Get Out is one of those movies. Mm -hmm. I think especially like. You know, maybe this shouldn't be included, but I think sometimes it can be for his first film. Like, I think that should be noted that, like, especially for his first ever film, like, that's impressive to pull together the cast, the vision of what he wanted to do and and to to execute it the way he wanted to. Like, that, man, that's impressive. And he, he started good. He really did. And he hasn't really slowed down. Yeah, this is on for me, like, Tarantino's first movie being Reservoir Dogs level of holy crap how the heck did you pull that off in your first time yeah you know it's so good so 2017 little drama it's get out is the winner for best best horror movie all right let's move on to 2018 uh David can you give me some of the top horror movies released in 2018 absolutely I feel like this year was a really good year uh for this genre um just looking at a couple. So we have Hereditary, we have A Quiet Place, Annihilation, Suspiria. Uh, we also have um, kind of the lesser known, but also um, pretty quality movies. Climax. Uh, there was another version of Halloween, which what number was that? You know, what movie number like, uh, 19? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Truth or Dare, The Nun, Cloverfield Paradox. I should mention Velocipaster because we did see that one. Uh, but it will not be even in this conversation. Um, no. A movie uh, actually named The Strangers, which I thought was actually a pretty quality movie, kind of founded on accident. Uh, Slender Man, there's an insidious movie. Uh, male Violent, oh yeah, no. Malevolent, Malevolent is not good. That is a Florence Pugh movie that is bad. But oh really, okay. It's a okay, Florence I saw Pugh that and I was like, so I guess, don't know what that is. Okay. Guess who has seen it? Yeah, it's not good. And then actually Calibrate, I actually just re- watched that this couple weeks ago and it was it was pretty decent so yeah kind of a handful of movies the nominations for us though four movies here are going to be Suspiria, A Quiet Place, Hereditary, and Annihilation. Uh, can I talk about Suspiria real quick since you haven't seen it and then we're gonna move on to yeah the rest of our absolutely conversation. yeah okay so uh, I put Suspiria on this um, I love this this movie it, it it really echoes the kind of horror movies that I like the ones that don't rely on jump scares this movie is just absolutely wild another one where you cannot see where the movie is going at multiple points um it's actually a remake but i i have not seen the original but i'm told that it is not really anything like the original 
they're two separate films and that's a good thing. Um, and this is just a movie that is rife with commentary and rife with symbolism that once you rewatch it, you will notice more things. Um, and there's some over the top shock scenes that you will never forget. So for me, this is top tier horror, one of the best movies released in the last 15 years in the horror genre. So mm. I would highly yeah. recommend people check it out if they're horror fans. Your review said truly one of the most unsettling films that I have ever seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's parts that are truly disturbing, but this movie is very rewarding. Um, so mm. I really enjoyed it. Okay. So now to a quiet place, hereditary and annihilation, the three movies that David and I each hold in, in, in high esteem, let's talk about a quiet place first. Another, you know, another actor guy known for something else turned director in, in, in John Krasinski in this movie um this movie is is a horror movie for sure but i don't really think of it as one whenever i'm rewatching it does that make sense interesting okay so this movie come to me more as a thriller or an action movie but it definitely has horror elements um and this is my biggest regret is i did not watch this movie in a theaters in the theaters mm -hmm. for the first time but on a tv um yeah sound design absolutely insane one of the most inventive ways to use sound in a horror movie and a fantastic way to keep the audience on the edge of their seat yeah it was yeah i i think i did see this in theaters um and really i'm not sure we've we've i mean i'm sure they're out there but i'm not sure i've watched a movie where it's had this concept another another movie and another first movie by someone like creating a horror aspect that's not been done before or not been done that often. Um, and yeah, just the, the idea of a quiet place and, you know, not being able to use sound and something in today's like society and culture where there's just always noise, no matter where you're at, what you do, it, there's always noise. And for you to walk into that theater and I, I specifically remember like the first five minutes and it was just dead quiet. It was kind of uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I'm not used to this. You know what I mean? And we're in a movie theater. Um, and uh, yeah, man, all the performances really, there's only seven people on the cast list and all seven of them um, did a very good job, including just specifically the family members. Um, I, I really don't think there was a, a weak or a, a bad performance of the family. I really think um, even the baby, good job crying like you know what I mean like everyone just did so well and uh, this was a very good watch for me and again second third fourth watch uh, I've been honestly just as tense and just as involved in the movie mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I this also cemented um, for me uh, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski may be favorite celebrity couple um, mm -hmm. just seem like seem like goals um, but Emily Blunt's character in this movie may be one of the most badass characters in any movie ever. Um, just the stuff that she has to go through and the lengths that she's willing to go through to protect her family. Um, it's so great. Um, yeah, and this movie is a movie that certainly holds up on rewatch. Uh, you may not be scared as much, um, but you will definitely be on the edge of your seat every time you're rewatching this. So it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, shifting to a completely opposite tone of movie. Let's talk about Hereditary, David. Um, Ari Aster's debut film, and probably him and Peel, I think, are the two um, horror directors that have kind of separated themselves in the last five years from the pack, really. Uh, what, what did you think about Hereditary the first time you saw it? Dude, this movie's messed up. 
Like this Loki could be on the like most disturbing films ever watched list. I feel like, like it's just weird. Um, just some very interesting. And Ari Aster, the director, is just he's a weird guy. He makes some weird movies, good movies, uh, but weird movies. Um, I don't remember seeing this. Honestly, I think like I saw this for the first time like in our house like a year later or something. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if I just forgot about it or didn't see it i don't know but yeah Ooh. i mean i like it very good movie i think it was a high quality movie but man it was it's disturbing <laughs> yeah this is um this is a movie that is wholly reliant on just creeping you out um another movie that doesn't normally go for straight up jump scares uh if you're listening to this podcast you'll do not do the clicking sound i swear <laughs> do not do the clicking Bro, i just sound. got chills <laughs> Another movie that doesn't really rely on jump scares a lot, but relies on just kind of the creepy occult aspect and stellar performances from its main cast. Um, and and yeah, and all those come together. I think this movie shines with Tony Collette, um, who was giving one of the best performances in the last 20 years in a horror movie. Uh, she's a fantastic actress and really is carrying this film. Um, but yeah, this is another movie where you just don't know where things are going as you're watching it because every time you see an insane thing happen, you're like, it can't get any more wild than this. And then it does, you yeah. know, uh, people that have seen this will know, you know, thinking about a nut allergy and a telephone pole, what kind of horror things you can make happen with those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's, this is yeah. just a crazy film. So, and for those who don't know what I just did, the clicking of my tongue. And the reason I got chills is that is a pretty key aspect in this movie. And it's like, one key example of them not using a jump scare but literally a click of the tongue and now like anytime i hear that or do it like i kind of get chills because because of this movie alone and it'll it'll freak you out it'll definitely get you uh get you some chills on your neck so the the top review on letterbox for this movie is if anyone ever clicks their tongue around me again i'm calling the police (laughs) um just lets you know how effective that is all right, let's let's get to the the final in the horror slate for 2018 here before we decide our winner. Um, Annihilation, a movie that I had on my list of shame for a long time, and it was waiting and waiting to pull the trigger, and finally did. I think about three or four months ago, and boy was I not disappointed. This mm-hmm. is a movie from Alex Garland, who loves to make weird crap. Um, the most recent men is very strange. Ex Machina is also a very strange movie. Um, but this movie is so good. David, yeah, is. why do you like this film? Bro, it's just, it's so weird. It's freaking weird and it's just different. Um, again, I think, I mean, maybe this is why we're talking about them as top four films is so many of these movies we're talking about are just different. Like they've not, they're not copy and paste. It's like a new concept. And it's almost like we're tapping into a new part of our brain. That's like, like watching this movie, like I haven't experienced experienced or seen some of this concept before and it was just cool to like see this new world you know and uh and then natalie portman we've talked about her a lot i mean one of the great one of the better actresses of of the decade and maybe of you know of of our lives i don't know uh we're young still so we that might not be too tall of a thing to say and then uh you know oscar isaac uh gina rodriguez tessa thompson benedict wong i forgot he was in there uh there's so many so many good uh, performances here and just a unique plot storyline. And then Mm kind of what makes it horror is just 
the bear. You just get some interesting the animals. It is, yeah. it is the freaking bear. The, the bear is so, so terrifying in this movie um, that I was like, I threw my phone. Yeah. I was watching this movie on my phone um, because my laptop was dead and the TV at my parents' house, you weren't able to watch Hulu on it, which is what this movie was on. And mm-hmm. I was pissed. But I threw my phone when the bear came up. I was terrified of this, of this bear. And if a horror movie is effective in scaring me when I'm watching it on my iPhone, then it is a good horror movie. Yeah. And yeah. this is a very good yeah. horror movie. Uh, for those that so. don't know, so in this kind of weird dimension they're in, this bear has eaten one of their like team members and whenever they're kind of camping out in a house resting they think they hear their team members screaming for help and so obviously they're alarmed obviously they're freaking out turns to find out um in this dimension um obviously it's not like the one that we're in or the one that they're in in the normal time and the vocal cords like turned the bear's vocal cords like adapted and like absorbed the it's the like part, part bear cords. roar part scream part yeah she's so like when the bear roars the bears yeah yeah when the bear roars it's their team members screaming and it's just so unsettling it is a terrifying experience words cannot do it justice um no. but this movie yeah is is terrifying in that in particular um and there's also a lot of they really smartly use found footage stuff as well which i think is always a little bit more unnerving whenever you see it in a horror movie and it's not the whole movie but they use it effectively in this movie as well so did did the ending of this movie hold up for you or did you even know what to expect what what are your thoughts on the ending so i had absolutely no idea what to expect and of course by the end i don't even think i understood it um Mm -hmm. I still don't think, I don't think you're supposed to understand it, but yeah, the ending holds up for me. It feels true to where the rest of the the story was leading. Um, this was a movie a lot about how you're not getting answers to the questions. And a lot of times your answer just, it turns into another question, which can be frustrating for some people, but I really enjoyed because I didn't feel like the movie was stringing me along, but was trying to make me think deeper about it. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed that aspect. So we kind of have a, this is, Dare I say the the most difficult year probably for for us out of the five that we're picking. Uh, Let's see, David. You want to knock one off? I'm going to eliminate A Quiet Place. Is that okay with you? I think so. I think purely, I don't even think it's, I think at this point, the three of these are almost equally as quality quality movies. I think maybe the reason you're knocking it off is that just the concept of hereditary and annihilation are so it's much scarier. more intense and scarier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not saying that A Quiet I, Place isn't scary or a good movie. I think Hereditary and Annihilation are just out of this world concepts and stuff. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Getting getting bronze here is like getting the bronze at the Olympics. You know, it's still great. You're still the third best, but I'm Dude. sorry, not touching the other two. I personally, I think, so here's my thing. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. I think I will revisit Annihilation more. And I think that maybe on first watch, I even liked Annihilation better. Um, I've only seen Annihilation once, I've seen Hereditary twice, but I think Hereditary is the better horror movie. Mm. And let me kind of lay out why. First of all, both of these movies rely heavily on surprising you. Um, But I think that Hereditary 
scares and unsettles you throughout more than Annihilation does. Because like you're hinting at, the ending of Annihilation is not really, there's not really any scares after you kind of get through the bear part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that while Annihilation may even be a better movie for me, I think Hereditary is a better horror movie. And that's why I would choose it as the winner. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. I think, I think I actually agree identically with what you said is I think Annihilation is a better overall movie, but I do think Hereditary, yeah, is a better horror movie just with the, yeah, it's unsettling. I think even there's parts in Annihilation where I almost can relax, like it's still a quality movie, but I'm kind of, you know, relaxed and all right. I feel like in Hereditary, I'm just always tense. And even like when she's at therapy, when she's at therapy, for some reason, I'm just like, dude, what's going to happen? Like, you know, so I think, yeah, I think I agree. I think Hereditary is the winner of our 2018 top four movie. All right. Look at that. Look at that. He chose it. Okay. So Hereditary is the winner. Let's move on to 2019. I would say also in a year that has a lot of horror movies, a lot of people have seen, and it's pretty stacked at the top. Uh, Midsommar, The Lighthouse, Us, it Chapter Two, Ready or Not, Doctor Sleep. There's a second Zombieland movie. If you're counting that as horror, I am not. There's an Annabelle movie this year. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Escape Room, Pet Cemetery, yet another Stephen King adaptation. I guess Doctor Sleep technically is as well. There was a sequel to 47 Meters Down, which I did not see because 47 Meters Down wasn't good. Um, in the Tall Grass is another Stephen King adaptation. Uh, Countdown is a terrible Netflix horror movie. Had potential. That had potential with a cool premise and biffed it with a lot of the other stuff. Um, And Brightburn, uh, kind of a what if Superman was evil movie, which seems like we're getting a lot of those stories all the time now. So those were kind of the top. Um, What we have for our nominees, we have four this year. Us, Midsommar, The Lighthouse, and Ready or Not. Let's talk about us first, since we're talking about Jordan Peele. Is that the best use of a non, like, best use of non-score in a horror movie for you? Dude, it might be. It has to be. They start the movie playing that song, like, oh, yeah, I got five on it. Okay, bet. It's such a And then, like, you don't realize in the movie, like, he just slows that down and, like, turns it into, like, a horror tune. Oh, my goodness. It's so yeah. good. The the scene when um when the uh the other the people the tethered I guess is what they're referred to as in mm-hmm. this movie when not when they attack the the main family but when they attack Elizabeth Moss's family is my favorite part of that film and it uses just music so effectively in that but yes the I got five on it violin theme throughout is great uh. I want to I want to ask this question, and it may seem disrespectful, but I think we at least need to talk about it. Does us fall apart when you think about it a lot? Yeah, a little bit. I think so. I think it does just a little bit. Yeah. Explain your reasoning for those who maybe haven't seen it or don't understand. So yet. us relies on um, the idea that I guess was actually taken from an, a real life ad campaign about hands across America and presents the idea that there was the government created genetic clones for everyone that are living pretty much in underground systems all across the United States. And um, they rise up to take over 
their clones who are living a better life, um, obviously on the surface. So the clones are forced at night in their underground basements to eat like raw rabbit and a lot of other stuff. There's a lot of creepy stuff. They're also tethered to their surface counterparts. So anything the surface person does, the clone is doing a kind of version of that, I guess you could say, in the underground system wherever they are they look like subway stations but there's a lot of i'm assuming there's different ones but when you start to think about just like the scope of this movie and the planning and a lot of like the stuff that the climax relies on i feel like it kind of falls apart but maybe you could argue that that's not what you're supposed to do it's a horror movie and you're just supposed to be scared um Mm -hmm. there is a twist in this movie that i did not see coming really and i think was extremely well handled yeah um and and uh lupita nyong'o and winston duke really shine and their roles, especially Winston Duke is just great at channeling horror movie dad energy. Oh, absolutely. Um, is is so fantastic a, a, in this film. Um, and, and there's some twists and turns that are fun. I think there's action parts of this movie are the most fun. And when you think about it, it kind of fades a little, but that's still overall a really solid movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, I completely agree. All right, let's talk about Midsommar next. Ari Aster's second movie that he released in the next year. Um, wow. A movie that stars... I just realized that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely insane back-to-back from our guy there. A movie that stars my favorite actress on the planet, Florence Pugh, um, is about several friends who travel to Sweden to study their Midsommar Festival that is held every 90 years in their remote, really, village commune. Um, and it seems like a nice fun time, but it's an Ari Aster movie. So it definitely turns into a not nice fun time. I would say my best pitch for why this is a great horror movie is that it happens completely entirely in broad daylight and still manages to be terrifying. Yeah, that's that's what I start with every time when someone asks about it or sees it or something. And I'm talking about it is like, one, this movie freaked me out. Two, it is daytime the entire time. And I think mm-hmm. that alone, if... Um, I don't know if a movie is able to consistently keep you scared, not just every once in a while, not just the start or the end, but kind of throughout the movie, keep you unsettled and keep you scared. And the sun is at the top of the sky the whole time. That's, I think that's pretty impressive. And obviously I think Ari Aster can say, well, I did my job then, you know? Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know what happened in this man's life. Uh, I hope he gets the help he needs. If he needs something to go to therapy. Happen. Can we just say because that? Good Lord, this movie yeah. is, is insane. Um, and again, another, another Ari Aster movie that relies heavily, heavily on a stellar performance from uh, a lead actress in Florence Pugh, and it gets that. Um, I think some of the, the tertiary characters, some of the performances are not fantastic, um, but Florence Pugh is so good in this movie that, that I, don't, I don't really care. I'm not really sure how she didn't get nominated for Best Actress for this film. Um, I would say, actually, I do know it's because it's in a horror movie and the Academy rarely, if ever, recognizes feats in horror. Um, so I missed the, missed the bar there. But I, this movie is, I'll just point blank come out and say, this is my favorite horror movie of the ones that we're listing right here. So, so. I, I, I figured that, but obviously our listeners listeners did not know that one, yeah. But I have seen, this movie is is um, deeply disturbing, and I think I have seen it five times now. Would you, and I have not seen Suspiria, but I think I might put it here. Is this on that level of, if, 
one of the more disturbing movies you've ever seen. Yeah. 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 And I would say disturbing, not as in like, uh, when I say disturbing, I don't want people to think I'm talking about gross out. There's some, there's some kind of gross things, but I'm not a gross out person. Like I don't, that I'm not a gore fest person. I don't enjoy the Saw movies really. I don't, I don't like those movies are kind of referred to as quote unquote torture porn, which I don't really get down with that. I don't like watching people get tortured. That's not like a scary thing for me. That's not something I enjoy, but yes, these movies are disturbing because they kind of make you think about and confront things and just take weird cultures that you would never, you know, consider or even think about and, and scare you with them. You know, I, I don't think this is an accurate representation of midsummer festivals in Sweden at all. Um, Ari Aster has come out and said that as well, that like people that are stereotyping these groups of people based off of this, it, it's ridiculous, but yeah, it, it, I'm not going, I'm yeah. not going to Sweden during the summer. No. So yeah. you, you can't get me. Yeah. Sorry about yeah. that. All right, David, I want you to talk about the next one since I just saw this movie for the first time last night. Yeah. The Lighthouse is third um, nomination for the horror, kind of the best 2019 horror movie. Um, And that is directed by Robert Eggers. We actually just talked about one of his movies last week, uh, The Northman, his latest installment. This one is the 2019 uh, installment and it features Robert Pattinson, William Defoe, uh, those two being for a- the absolute uh, main characters. Really, 98% of the film is them two on an island by a, you guessed it, lighthouse. Uh, this movie is actually in black and white the whole time, uh, which is kind of something hard to, to get uh, adjusted to, I think. But I also think think that that kind of adds to the unsettling aspect of this movie really weird movie i mean it's probably not it's robert eggers but it is it, weird it's robert eggers dude makes strange stuff. yeah he does but i do think robert pattinson and william defoe's performances are very very good uh, i think they executed this uh very well and i think honestly like a reason you might not like it is just because it's too weird for you not because of the performances or not because of uh something you saw because man this 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 could turn someone off with how just weird and unique of a movie it is. Yeah, it mixes a lot of um, source material. I was reading about it last night after I watched it. It's based on like an unfinished poem by Edgar Allan Poe, but also heavily uses themes from Greek mythology as well. And a lot of other like, you know, tales that sailors used to tell each other um, at sea. Uh, they talk in authentic dialect um, to the time and use authentic language. So there's a lot of yees and a's and a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, this movie is a movie that solely relies on two performances to carry it. And both of those performances are great. Um, I think I enjoyed it a little bit less than David did. Um, but I, I still very much enjoyed this movie. Um, and it, it had a lot of turns where you weren't ready for what was going to happen next. So uh, I like this, but I think this is probably a, firmly in the not for everyone category, along with Midsommar, yeah. quite honestly, but in the not for everyone category of like, you're probably going to like it or you're just going to absolutely hate it. And there's not yeah. really an in between. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's go to our last one. I would say this is a for everyone horror movie. Um, another not very, I would not very scary horror movie. Um, and the second on this list, horror comedy starring Samara Weaving. 
put her in more horror comedies, I guess, because she's really good at them. Uh, it is ready or not kind of the, you know, evil hide and seek horror movie, essentially. Um, it's about a woman who marries into this family that has a fortune from their gaming uh, empire that they've created, like board games and stuff. And she has to play a game on her wedding night. Um, and, you know, she ends up getting hide and seek, which at first she's like, oh, this isn't a big deal. And then realizes that the point of the family is that they have made a deal with the devil. Um, and that's why they're so rich and fortunate. But if they have to play hide and seek, then they're supposed to kill her and sacrifice her. Um, mm. And so she's trying to not die. Yeah. Um, and cool. it's just it's just really entertaining. It's it's yeah. a movie. It's just evil hide and seek for an hour and a half. It's it's extremely fun. So I, I don't. There's not a lot to say about the comedy. Hits well. Um, the action sequences are fun, and the characters. You know, it's kind of obviously dark subject matter, but the the humor never feels misplaced or out of touch. It's not like a horror movie where it's a, called a horror comedy because they throw in two stupid jokes before people get killed. It, it's felt throughout the movie, and Samara Weaving does a great job of, of carrying this film as well, and she's a very funny actress. Um, so I would encourage people, if you're looking for like a fun, this is a really fun group movie as well. Like a Friday or Saturday night, you have a group of friends over and you don't know what to do. Watching Ready or Not is a really good way to spend your time. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've seen this once, and I think – it's not one of those like, okay, I've seen it once. I either don't want to see it again or I don't need to see it again because I'm sitting here like that honestly would be a fun one to watch again. It's been a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's a high quality film, like Nathan said, and the, the jokes land and the the actions uh, entertaining. And honestly, I don't think you're going to expect the ending. I think, I think it's different than what you'd expect, uh, in my opinion, maybe different for others, but uh, I was not expecting the way this uh, movie was going to end. Um, and yeah, I think it's definitely more of a quote family movie than hereditary or or the lighthouse is so uh, again yeah group hanging out this would probably be the good choice against the other two that we've mentioned in this in this year yeah so with just how insane this podcast is the movie about a girl having to avoid being killed by her new family on her wedding night and sacrifice to the devil during a game of hide and seek is the lighthearted film of the bunch. So do with that information what you will. Um, David, we both just talked about this and how we liked it, but I think we can probably eliminate ready or not from contention, correct? Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, my vote, I think I want to, I think we need to eliminate the lighthouse uh, as well. Um, okay. Really, I'm. I was surprised you weren't gonna you weren't gonna fight for that one. No, well, I just mean comparing us and Midsommar. I think you know how I feel about Midsommar, and it's just freaking weird. And I don't know if I ever want to watch it again. But I gotta respect it's just. I know it's just an organic movie, and it's an original idea, and it's just well executed. So I think, uh, yeah, I think if if you're okay, I'll also eliminate the lighthouse. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I am fine with that. So we're down to us in Midsommar. David, you know where I'm going to go. Um, are you going to try to present some sort of case for us, or are you going to side with me and go with Midsommar? This one's tough. And I think, sorry, I just rolled over my headphone cord. Like choked me. All right, here we go. Um, right, I eat. think, yeah, honestly. 
This one is tough. I think something that you mentioned that does hurt us slightly. I think you do mention like, okay, does this fall apart when you actually think about the it being realistic? Now, obviously, it's not realistic. But I think when you think about like, okay, would this does this kind of fall apart thinking about how this would actually play out? Yeah, I think, and I think that does hurt it a little bit. It's just tough though, because the performances are so well done and the music, like we mentioned, was so well done. Um, but I, I think what's gonna, I hate that I'm agreeing this with Midsommar, but I think it's just the daylight. The whole movie is in the broad daylight and mm -hmm. it's terrifying. And I think, mm -hmm. I think literally, we, we can other reasons but i think that's the number one that's going to push it, is that every horror movie that's ever been written has been at nighttime or takes place somewhat at nighttime and ari aster said hold my beer and now we watch this movie that's just in the broad daylight and i'm just terrified to watch it so i think i yeah. may have to go with midsummer yeah uh i would agree with all those things and i will gladly gladly boost midsummer to the top as the winner of the 2019 best horror movie um, yeah, I, I would agree with everything you're saying. I'm kind of vamping right now as David is figuring out whatever headphone situation is going on. But Bitsamar is a movie that consistently has a deeply scary or unsettling thing every 15 minutes. And it is a two and a half hour movie. And every 15 minutes, you're going to be unsettled and, and creeped out by something that's going on. And also, this movie is just technically beautiful. You know, the camera work. Mm -hmm. There's one shot where... It's Florence Pugh crying in a bathroom and then like you jolt and all of a sudden she's in an airplane bathroom on an airplane. And you know, I don't understand how they did that cut. It's such mm -hmm. a smooth cut. There's a lot of one shots. And um, when I rewatched this movie recently, I noticed that he uses mirrors a lot, which is an extremely difficult thing to do with a camera is to try to use a mirror. But he uses mirrors to stage scenes. So like a lot of times when Florence Pugh is talking to someone, she will be talking and the camera will be pointing at a mirror that is showing another person that she's talking to, but it makes us feel like this distance between her and whoever she's talking to, not just physical distance, but like the emotional distance is reinforced by that. It's just such a smart movie. So yeah, Midsommar deserves its reputation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's the best horror movie of 2019. All right, let's move, on to the, let's move on to 2020, probably the last... Um, actual consensus one. I think 2021 is a little weak for horror movies that we've both seen, quite honestly. So 2020 may be the last really fun one we get to go through. But uh, David, can you read off some of the horror movies that came out in 2020? Yes. So first on our nomination list, we have The Invisible Man 2020 movie starring uh, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, does an exceptional job. Second on our list, um, we have A Quiet Place Part 2, John Krasinski's second installment of that, this time with the addition of Killian Murphy. Uh, and then our final nomination, we have The the Night House, which honestly both of us just recently saw. Um, and I think both of us really kind of thoroughly enjoyed it, the concept of that. So those we just have three of this year, uh, Invisible Man, Quiet Place Part 2, and The Night House. Others, though, that kind of came out that year as well, Run, The New Mutants, Freaky, The Hunt, uh, Underwater, The Empty Man. Gosh, Hubie Halloween is on this list. Yes. The Rental. Um, yeah, not not as not as outstanding of a, a year of horror movies. I think we can agree on that. But the top um, three is the top three that we have here is pretty stellar. 
Yeah. And I actually just recently watched The Empty Man and it was, I kind of enjoyed it. It was unsettling and just, again, a different concept. Uh, But yeah, Mm -hmm. these, those top three for sure uh, were, I think, very good movies. All right. Let's talk first about The Invisible Man. Um, the, I, I guess you could say a remake, reboot, revamp of a classic universal monster m- movie um, directed by Leia Wanell. It stars Elizabeth Moss and is essentially about an abusive husband who is a tech mogul and figures out how to turn himself invisible, essentially. Fakes his own death, figures out how to turn himself invisible, and then proceeds to attempt to ruin Elizabeth Moss's life. Um, oh my gosh, this movie is tense. Like, yeah, it is. the the idea of the Invisible Man is one is a movie that you a monster that you probably wouldn't think is that scary up front, but then when you think about it, um, just the paranoia that would come with that, and then never feeling safe. Um, there's certain moments in this movie where like she Elizabeth Moss will just look across the room and be like, he's sitting in that chair right there. And the only way you can tell is there's a slight impression in the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so, it's so terrifying. This movie is maybe the most tense movie on this list for me. And I, I don't think my heart rate dropped below 140 the entire time I was watching this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this is similar to, um, oh, what movie was I, um, I think Hereditary. I think it's similar in that, yeah, I think for most of this movie, you're you're unsettled and I think one reason is right it's the invisible man so I think every scene you're looking in the corners you're looking in the window the door of like okay is he right there is she going to get attacked is something going to happen because we see enough of him doing stuff where that's going to be always on your mind and I think that's you're right I think I'm tense the entire movie because I'm always looking right my eyes are just twitching looking in the corners everywhere all right is he there do I see impressions do I see footprints is he going to attack and I think for that it's like man, I'm just tense the whole movie and um, a very, very well um, made movie and also a very good performance by Elizabeth Moss. And Juanel plays into the helplessness and the paranoia so well in this film. You know, a lot of this movie is spent with Elizabeth Moss trying to convince other people that this is happening. I think about, I don't want to spoil it, but the restaurant scene is particularly just harrowing Mm -hmm. um, because this man can really do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, um, without repercussions, because nobody knows he's there and nobody is willing to believe her. Uh, Yeah, and it's it's a movie where if you put yourself in the main character's uh, headspace, you're absolutely terrified because you don't understand how you would get out of it either. A lot of times you're watching a horror movie, you're like, well, you just make this decision and this decision differently and it's better. But with The Invisible Man, uh, she does what you would probably do. She's smart. Like she is a intelligent horror movie protagonist and there's still times where she's helpless to defend herself against this onslaught. Um, But yeah, this is a great movie and a great ending to a horror movie as well. I don't want to give it away, but a great ending. So I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Next, we got a quiet place part two. David, is this better for you than the original? I'll answer first based on my ratings, based on my ratings. Yes. Um, now just thinking about it, I, I think that's tough. I think it's, it's hard to top with like an original movie like that. I think just thinking of it or the quiet place or, you know, other ones like that first new idea, that first installment that was 
you know, praised around the world. It's hard to top that. But I think, man, really for me, I think this is, and not only with Killian Murphy's performance, but I'm thinking specifically of scenes that they added in the second movie of, we, we see this in the trailer, so this isn't a spoiler, but they flash back as to how events, these events happened, right? How these monsters got here and, and what took place before the first movie briefly. And there's, there's a part where Melissa, uh, Melissa, am I thinking, is that, am I saying that right? Simmons? Yeah, Millicent Simmons. Okay. Um, she, she's deaf. And while they're like, right, people are crashing and running away and these monsters are attacking. It's like switching from normal and you hear everything. And then in an instant, it's switching to her like deaf and she can only see stuff and things are flying and they're driving away and, and avoiding people and then boom, back to normal. And that's just such a beautiful and like tense and intense scene. And they just shot that so well because you're just flipping back and forth to her point of view of not hearing anything and then back to what you're used to. And that right there just adds so much suspense for me. And then of course the rest of the movie just well executed. Um, but yeah, man, I think, I, I do. I think for me, this one is just barely better than the second one. And and if I remember correctly, the beginning of this film, the sequence that you were just talking about, isn't that a one shot as well? Uh, for for good portions, yeah, they're, they're one shot showing this thing, yeah. Yeah. So that's just this movie starts out with technical marvel, um, and you know I. I don't know. I think on watching it, I thought it was better than the original. However, I did get to see this one in theaters, which with the yeah. Quiet Place movies, watching it in theaters is very important to your enjoyment. And you could say that that is actually not a good thing and that that makes it kind of worse because of that. But yeah, I would I would agree. This movie, it, if it's not better than the first one, it's, it's right up there with it for me. Uh, the new, the introduction of Killian Murphy is very well done, but Millicent Simmons absolutely carries this film acting wise um and it's one of those performances that you know she's not relying on words obviously um as a deaf actress she's she's not relying on big impressive speeches but her her facial expressions um and her interactions with other characters throughout this movie is is so great um and and again it's a movie about sacrifices and about a family just trying to make it um so i think it'll resonate with a lot of people but this is a really good movie yeah i completely agree i, I want to watch this again i think this is something that can hold up on a second and third watch and apparently there might be a third one um, yeah so letterbox th has the third one listed but also has a quiet place day one listed as well which is a supposed to be a prequel written by John Krasinski, um, and then there is a third one listed as well. Let me see if he is listed as, there isn't really anything else listed aside from the cast that will obviously include the three characters um, hmm. that have been in all of the movies. Oh, we'll see. Uh, I think there's a, we're definitely getting that day one one, but they kind of did leave it on a little bit of a cliffhanger. So I'm wondering if they can wrap this up with a trilogy uh, as well but if you haven't checked out a quiet place part two yet i, I would watch it um yeah it's very good all right david you want to talk about i, I want to give you space to talk about the night house yeah so yeah i don't even know how we found this don't know how we missed it because i really 2020 it's that's two years ago i think when i first watched this i assumed it was a this year movie right no this mm -hmm. came out in 2020 uh, a david bruckner 
film starring Rebecca Hall, Sarah Goldberg. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's another, it's just another concept that I, I just wouldn't have seen coming. I think it was very just well done. Um, and Rebecca Hall is kind of, is, is the main character in this. Um, and right. Her husband dies unexpectedly and she's left alone at this lakeside home that was built for her. Uh, and, you know, as we go throughout the movie, she begins to uncover um, just stuff about the house and stuff about her husband. Um, and really, it, it, I think for me, it, it starts somewhat slow, right? Introducing stuff, getting into stuff. But I think very quickly, this movie turns uh, and very quickly, this movie can catch your attention. Uh, and it definitely did that for me. Um, and again, I, I, I think I ended up seeing this twice, kind of once at the house and then with a group of people who wanted to watch it, I suggested it and we ended up watching it. And I think for both times, I think even the second time I noticed stuff I didn't in the first, which I think for me kind of helps me understand how good a movie is or not. Like if I can still find stuff and still be interested, you know, after that first, first viewing. So yeah, I enjoyed this. I really did. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree that the concept is extremely unique for this movie. And it, it is a kind of complex concept that unravels slowly, but you never feel like there's sometimes where movies will introduce a concept and you feel like they have to do a lot, a lot of work at the end to get it like answered. Like they have to almost do a montage to try to explain what this whole movie has been about and pointing stuff out blatantly to you. So you will understand what's going on. I never really felt like this movie was doing that. Uh, it's unraveled slowly throughout, lets you kind of build your own suspicions about what you thought was going on. A lot of them were wrong, but some of them were right for me. Uh, and I really just enjoyed it. Um, and I, yeah, this is a movie that's very confusing at first, but rewards you for paying attention constantly. Uh, David and I, I watched it for the first time and it was his second viewing together. And I think we were both really pissed off at people in the room that kept talking because this is a movie where you need to be quiet and you need to be focused. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, it rewards you. It rewards your patience. And Rebecca Hall um, was seeing a trend here. Uh, which the final, the kind of the final girl is a common trope in, in horror movies where there's normally one female protagonist that has to survive. But a lot of these movies are turning that uh, trope on its head. And uh, Rebecca Hall is really just carrying this movie by herself at most points and is doing so very well. So, yeah. and visually, there's a lot of visual um, aspects of this movie that are just extremely interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't want to give away the stuff that happens because I want you to watch this movie for yourself, but just if you pay close attention to things that are happening on screen and are paying attention to the background of every scene, you're probably going to notice something pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How are we doing this? Um, this one's the, I think this one is the, these three are the closest together for me. Like, I don't yeah. feel like in this one, there's a clear last, last place. Yeah, I would agree. I think, man, this is tough. Invisible man, a quiet place, part two, the night house, um, why don't we do this one differently? Why don't you tell me your favorite or the one you think should win first? Give me a pitch. I Instead think... of trying to pick the worst. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. We should go right to the to the top. This is this is interesting. I don't want I think for me, I'm choosing between the night house or invisible man, believe it or not. I think purely just based on horror and based on it's the like an original movie. And it's not a Quiet Place Part Two. It's not its fault that it's the second movie, but no. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and I think A Quiet Place Part Two also heavily leans into the action aspect of the franchise, even more so than the first one. So you could make the same argument. I know people are like, why are we, why are you including these A Quiet Place movies if you're not counting them as quote unquote real horror? But they are. They have horror elements um, for sure. And there are parts that are terrifying. But when they stack up against these other movies, sometimes it, it's difficult. I think for me, which honestly, if you if you think about it, these movies are similar in a couple big ways. Um, I think for me, Invisible Man is my is the top movie for me. I think that concept of just not being able to see it and the way they were able to execute that. We talked about this always being tense in every scene because he could quite legitimately be there, which and a lot of times he is. I think for me, that just keeps me ten- tense and, and horrified throughout the whole movie. And Elizabeth Moss does an incredible job. So I think right now right unless you have a, a different um opinion i think for me a, a invisible man is the, the winner i i like what you said about them kind of being of, of the same vein because a, a lot of them are uh, solely focused on the protagonist of the film um who is dealing with quote-unquote loss and grief but there is a little bit of a sinister aspect to that loss and at the same time is dealing with kind of this paranoia and helplessness all around them, but I would I would agree with you. Um, I think my pick would be in the, the Invisible Man as well, just for the fact that this is the best way I think a horror movie has ever handled helplessness, uh, which is a common common trope in horror movies, especially if you think about slasher movies. You know, the helpless teens at a summer camp when Jason Voorhees invades and there's nothing anybody can do to get help. But this is a different kind. It's not the campy like, why didn't you just run through the other door or something and you would have escaped. You know, you're watching this woman who has no way to convince people that this guy is real um, and is just being tormented by him constantly. So. So, yeah, I would I would uh, I would agree with you. So the Invisible Invisible Man Man takes it the best horror movie of 2020. All right. Now let's move on to 2021. Um, Kind of a kind of a disappointing year as far as horror movies that we've both seen. Um, which maybe is just our fault for not watching the same horror movies. So uh, some of the movies that came out this year, Last Night in Soho, Titane, Malignant, Old, The Fear Street franchise, which are three movies that dropped straight to Netflix based on the popular horror book series that's kind of geared towards young adults. The movies are kind of shockingly violent in moments, um, however, and I, I would I would recommend them. They're a fun time. Uh, Candyman, which is a movie that I, I still want to see um uh the second halloween movie which i have not seen in its entirety but i have seen parts of and is quite possibly the wildest thing ever just in terms of kill count in a horror movie i mean michael the forever purge stacking coffins yeah we have the forever purge um yeah this is just i i'm kind of a weaker i would say horror movie Mm -hmm. um some movies that people were hoping were going to be really good or not for example spiral um, which is like a anthology saw film what was not very good there is a of course an a24 horror movie lamb and for some reason the black phone is listed here i guess it did play at festivals in 2021 but ha- was not released until a couple of weeks ago um so i, yeah, I was confused know to see that one I'm not really even counting that one as a 2021 release yeah. let's talk about our nominations um i have five movies down however there's only uh two that we have both seen. So there's really only two in this race and there's really only one in this race because one of these movies sucks, but it's a horror movie we both saw. So I put it on the list. Malignant, T-Tain, Last Night in Soho. 
The Conjuring 3, and I included the Fear Street franchise in this. Let me just, David, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of monologuing here, but I'm going to run through the movies that I saw oh, yeah. real quick before Go we for pick it, yeah. a winner. T-Tane, I think, is probably actually the best movie on this list and the most effective horror movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe this. Um, the only way that I can describe this movie is by saying, just it's not kind for of everyone. repeating my <laughs> letterbox review in which I said, a woman has sex with a car. That was the most normal thing in this movie. What in the hell did I just watch? Um, this movie switches modes and a lot of things multiple different times. It's got a body horror elements. It's a straight up slasher movie at times. It is also a heartwarming family story at times. Um, it, it is just all over the place. This is, again, not a movie for everyone. It is in the Midsommar Suspiria vein of horror movies in which I would strongly suggest you figure out what kind of movie you like to watch before you go and watch Titan because it is wild. Uh, Last Night in Soho was a movie David was hoping to watch before this podcast, but United Fiber has seen to that and made sure that that was not possible. That is the Sam Raimi 2021 horror movie starring Thomas McKenzie and Onion Taylor-Joy and Matt Smith. Uh, I, a movie that sometimes falters in the third act for me, but is really strong overall. And Thomas and McKenzie, who burst onto the scene for most audiences in Jojo Rabbit um, is kind of a co-lead in that movie is stellar in this film. Um, and it's got some classic Raimi flourishes with camera work and stuff that or not, I don't know why I'm saying Raimi. I'm an Eggerite. I don't know why I'm saying Sam Raimi. It's Eggerite. Please ignore what I said about Sam Raimi. It's got some classic Eggerite flourishes with his camera work. If you've seen the Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, and At the World's End, you will know what I'm talking about. Um, he's a really, really solid director. I just think that this movie fell apart in the end for me. And then The Fear Streets, which I already mentioned earlier. The second one is the best one for me. Um, these movies jump have 27, 28 year gaps in between um, the the story. And then one of them is way back in the past, but they're all kind of explaining the same set of characters and the same plot line that's happening. The horror is not super effective at points, but it's really effective at others. I think the second movie shines the best. That is the one starring Sadie Sink, who is Max in Stranger Things. That is the best of the movies for me. It's really just a Friday the 13th remake essentially um at a summer camp uh, it's a fun time it's it's really enjoyable um i liked it so I, I would encourage people to watch that if you're looking for kind of a lighter horror movie which sounds a little weird to say but a horror movie that's not going to break your brain or make it so you have to sleep with the light on i would watch the fear streets all right <sighs> that was a lot of talking david talk about malignant yeah, Malignant, uh, 2021 film directed by James Wan. Um, he's one of the bigger, I think, classic horror directors, right? He's done The Conjuring, he's done Insidious, he's done Saw, he's done Aquaman. Um, so kind of um, kind of the, one of the more popular um, horror directors uh, today. Uh, a, a movie starring Annabelle Willis, uh, Wallace, excuse me, um, and... Nathan idea. Yeah, we watched this together. Didn't know what to expect. Uh, it was kind of one of those we're in the mood for horror. We want to see one we haven't seen, but we also don't want to see just the worst Garboni movie um, of all time. And we found Mal Malignant. Um, and man, this was weird. And honestly, like, uh, complete honesty, Nathan and I had our theories. And really, for the most part, we both didn't guess it correctly. Like, we were like, okay, it might be this or it might be this. 
Well, we're uh, both like we... half right, but not even close at the same time. Yeah, like we, yeah, and it was, I, I was, I, I enjoyed it. I know some people um, who we suggested it to just truly didn't enjoy this, but I really thought um, it was pretty good. It was um, pretty freaky at times. And again, just kind of hard to predict, hard to figure out where in the world they're going to go with this movie. Uh, and I, I think for me, like, right, you can have issues, which I don't know if many of these had this issue that we've listed today, but horror movies can kind of fall apart as you get to the end, right? They start strong and fall apart. And I think for this one, it really stood strong. And I think the reveal at the end uh, was shocking for me, but also like one that I, I, I didn't think would happen. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I really did. I think both of us uh, initially, especially, we were both like, wow. Yep. Okay. That was good. <laughs> yeah. This movie's just fun. Um, I, I would, a couple of the strong points, um, not the acting, I would say is not, is not the strong point, but James Wan's direction uh, is pretty strong in this film and the action set pieces which sounds weird that i'm saying this in a horror movie um but the action set pieces in this are insane also the needle drops are really really interesting um there is one needle drop of a remix of the pixie song where's my mind that most people will recognize from fight club <laughs> that was just really entertaining to me um but this movie's just trying to be interesting and different and it, it presents itself as kind of this crime mystery um, where you have to try to figure out the plot as it goes along. And as things get revealed, uh, I, I don't know, it just makes it, it's just a fun movie and it's got a fun concept and the action is, is entertaining. So Malignant, uh, very solid pick, good find from us. I think we both saw James Wan as the director and was like, all right, well, it's James Wan. So even if it's not great, it can't be awful. And and we were mm-hmm. correct. It, yeah. It's not fantastic by any stretch, but it's good. Let's get to a movie that should have been directed by James Wan, but was not. So as David mentioned previously, the first two Conjuring movies are directed by James Wan um, and are some of the best horror movies that have been released in the past 15 years Um, and kind of in many ways rebooted the horror genre um, and are the best versions of their kind uh, of movies, I would say. Um, and that would be the subgenre of like, there's something wrong with the house slash demon possession. They're really mm-hmm. good. Um, and require really good performances from the two leads, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. And now we get to the conjuring three, the devil made me do it. Not directed by James Wan based on a real life case, supposedly as well. Um, but this one tries to also present itself as a mystery and I think for me, it falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah, I, uh, looking back, I don't know why, but I watched this in theaters. And um, I think I would agree. I think it's just hard to replicate what they did in the first two. And, and yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, honestly, I, I thought they, they involved like a young boy at one point in the movie. And I think for me, it was almost too far. Like it was kind of hard to watch. I was like, all right, I, could go without watching this you know and that could just be me you know being sensitive or whatever it is but I was like I don't know that was just a little much for me and yeah this movie just didn't land um didn't land for me um especially compared to the first two yeah I, I I would wholeheartedly agree with with that um yeah it's just it tries to shift. Um, there's only so many times you can return to the well. And, and this movie tried to change the well a little bit and, and make it a little different. Um, but it, it's missing the sense of direction in a lot of ways for me. 
the story itself is just not very strong. Um, I think Patrick Wilson and Vera Farminga are just, they should tell everybody else in this movie to wear straps next time. So it'll be easier to carry them throughout it because <laughs> they're just really trying to carry everybody. Um, and it's just not the reveal at the end of this movie is not fun. You know, it's not like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Um, and it just doesn't really make sense even in the timeline of movies that we already have. Uh, yeah, so I, I was very disappointed by this, and I don't know if there ever is going to be a fourth one, but uh, I would kind of welcome it only if if James Wan was returning to the director's chair and not somebody else. So, so I've, yeah. I feel like I feel like this year is kind of the easy one. Yeah. But it's yep. between it's two. Mal- it's malignant. It's, yeah. It's absolutely, absolutely malignant. Um, yeah, it's just a movie that... <laughs> has the right director, um, doesn't always get, I think that you could even say The Conjuring 3 has better overall acting performances, but I think everything else is superior and malignant for me. Yeah, um, Especially enjoyment level, so. Yeah, um, let's say all five of these, you might have, I might know the answer to this, all five of these we've seen um, and were available, which one would you would you fight for, for the winner? Um, yeah, you do already know the answer to this. It's Midsommar, I would say, is the best horror movie out of this group. I would um, put Get Out right below that and then probably go Hereditary, Invisible Man. And then I would say quite a little bit of distance between Invisible Man and Malignant. Mm. What about you? I think for me, it's Hereditary takes it. That movie is just so disturbing and so weird. And again, it's the like even that is just enough <laughs> to freak you out. And like it doesn't rely on a jump scare. It relies on literally a click of a tongue, which then it does a good job, you know? Um, and I think Midsommar is probably second. Um, get Out and then, yeah, Invisible Man, which is it's weird that Invisible Man would be fourth. It's still a very good movie. It's just, I think these five mm-hmm. movies are very good. Malignant had a little bit of space towards the bottom, but yeah, some some really good movies here. And even ones that didn't win that were, I think were good with Us, Annihilation, um, It, you know. The Lighthouse, the, yeah. the Night House. You know, like the there was there's some quality movies that just didn't get 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 the push, uh, and so who, here's to six more months. Hopefully, we'll get um, you know some quality horror movies. I just have a feeling that Nope is just going to be the surefire best one of this this year. Yeah. I have heard um, some pretty positive things about about Black Phone, especially yeah. about Ethan Hawke in Black Phone. Um, so. I, I, I was planning on checking that out in theaters. I still have not yet. I, I'm eager to get a look at that, but I'm really excited for Nope. Yeah, no, I am too. And uh, yeah, well, next time we talk to you, actually, we will have seen it. Um, and yeah, we, if you're seeing it, I hope you like it. But yeah, this has been What Do You Want to Watch? Uh, Strictly Horror episode, previewing Nope, and then ranking some of our favorite horror movies of the last five years. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.